It's been described as one of the biggest money laundering investigations in Australian history, and you just have to hear what's exactly been seized by police in the past 48 hours to understand why. 20 properties in some of Sydney's most affluent suburbs have been seized. This includes two homes in the eastern suburbs. These two homes alone have a combined value of $19 million. Meanwhile, a 360-hectare piece of land near the site of Sydney's second international airport, worth $47 million, was also targeted. AFP Assistant Commissioner Kirsty Schofield says nine men have been charged. We will allege the Sydney-based group acted like an underground bank and had branches all around the world, enabling it to illegally shift money for individuals and organised crime groups. The AFPs work closely with Austrac, National Australia Bank and international law enforcement partners to dismantle this syndicate. Nathan Lynch is a financial crime expert and author of The Lucky Laundry, How the Aussie Economy Got Hooked on the World's Dirtiest Cash. Welcome to the program. Great to be here, Sarah. Thank you. Nathan, this syndicate, alleged syndicate, has been described as a Chinese-Australian money laundering organisation. Before we get to what the AFB has allegedly uncovered, how does shadow banking work? Effectively, shadow banking is, as it sounds, it's it's banking for the underworld. It's it's hidden banking. So banking that takes place outside of the purview of regulators and authorities. And one of the challenges that Australia has is that it's surrounded by huge economies like China, Vietnam and Sri Lanka and others where there are limits on people's ability to get money out of the country, what we call capital controls. So those people may have uh, you know, generated their money lawfully, but unfortunately they're driven into the underground banking system, the shadow banking system or the, the dark economy to move their funds. And uh, that then uh, creates huge opportunities for criminal groups to exploit the real economy. So going to these specific arrests and what the AFP has alleged to have taken place here, can you break down how shadow banking was allegedly working in this instance because we here at Drive, we've spent a lot of time on the whiteboard this afternoon uh, (laughs) trying to map it all out. You you need an I2 chart to understand (laughs) some of this stuff. It's incredibly complex. But if I could simplify it, what it effectively is at its most basic level is like a dating agency for financial crime. So you have you have huge amounts of capital in China, for instance, that wants to find a nice, safe, loving, carefree home in Australia, in a rule of law country where it's it's you know it's well protected. Then of course you have Australia with a voracious appetite for illicit drugs generating up to $32 billion or more a year in criminal proceeds in Australia from various crime types. So these two groups want their money out of the country. They can't move it through the formal economy. So they they effectively get paired up by, by these money laundering organisations. And more often than not, uh, no value actually moves. There's just the settling of ledgers and the offsetting of transactions uh, so that someone in China with yuan can end up with the proceeds of a drug crime in Australia that they put into their bank account and then use to buy a physical property, for instance, real estate. And that's because there's, um, as you say, kind of mirrored action happening in the two separate jurisdictions. Is that right? So they're not dealing directly with each other, but, you know, person A moves money in the first country to an entity and then in response, person B 
in the second country moves something to an entity in the second country. That's right. And the the magic of this system, you know, the, the I mean, it is it's an incredibly sophisticated system, and it, it it you know for the criminal economy it works very well. So these gatekeepers that sit in the middle and facilitate these deals, they're clipping the ticket between four and ten percent of the value of money that moves. So when you're talking about a billion dollars moving, you can see that there's a vast amount of money at stake for the facilitators, for the money launderers. But in fact, the person in China moving their money can have no idea who's putting that money into the bank account in Australia. Uh, And in fact, many people have been caught up where they've moved big sums of money into Australia. Then it's been seized by the Australian Federal Police as proceeds of crime and they've lost their money and they've paid their yuan to a criminal group in China and that money's disappeared. So the AFP is really trying to send a message to anyone who's moving money into Australia, do not go through these underground channels. I want to ask you about, at the risk of confusing everyone, just when it feels like we're getting somewhere, um, the 10%, the 4 to 10% clipping of the ticket that you mentioned, the commission for this, this uh, you know, facilitating the money laundering, which is why it's happening in the first place. How does that 10% get to where it needs to go if the whole point is not to, to alarm authorities by moving money offshore? Mm. So the the facilitators have accounts all around the world. You know, they will have accounts. In in this case, we saw accounts in Australia, across Asia, in Switzerland, the United States, in Dubai, in the UAE, and in the Caribbean, for instance. So they're sort of playing a shell game where they've built up massive amounts of illicit capital. We're hearing about potentially uh, $1.5 billion, for instance, in this case. Uh, Massive pools of capital around the world, and they kind of use that as the float of the criminal economy. So, uh, you know, that they are in effect like an underground bank. If you go to, if you want money in Europe, their bank accounts and, and companies in Switzerland will make that available to you. So they can hold those assets wherever they want. They will also use a bunch of other really sophisticated techniques like trade-based money laundering to move value. So if the organisers want to, if, if they feel concerned that there may be under scrutiny in Australia, they can do fake trade transactions to move money overseas disguised as the shipment of real goods, for instance. They were also using cryptocurrencies and, and casino transfers and um, a, a whole bunch of other techniques. We should say the two countries involved here, Australia and China, but the particular circumstance here is that there is in China there is a cap. You cannot transfer more than, I think, $50,000 out of the country without triggering alarm bells. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's the cap. It's uh, you know, so it's that's illegal the reason for this whole crazy kind of dating app scenario. Is that right? Well, there's there's two elements to it. There's the criminal actors who are generating criminal funds. Quite often in Australia, they want their money out of the country because immediately they want to disassociate the money from the predicate crime. You know, to reduce their odds of getting caught. So they have this huge appetite to move money. But then, of course, you get these people in countries like China uh, who who simply want to move legitimately earned money and that creates another layer of the problem here because they, they get caught up in these schemes, usually inadvertently, uh, but at the same time, bearing in mind, evading capital controls isn't an Australian offence, so we don't recognise that as a crime. So when the money comes into Australia, we don't really need to look at 
how whether they've evaded uh, Chinese capital controls necessarily. So there's this problem here where you've got different jurisdictions with different laws and the criminal groups are very adept at exploiting that. So the AFP says it's winnowed through all the people, uh, you know, Chinese Australian people, Chinese people buying property in Australia, and it's done this with the assistance of one of the big four, NAB, to make these raids and arrests. How unusual is that kind of collaboration? It's uh, uh, it's becoming more common. So since we saw the big uh, money laundering crackdowns from Austrac on the Commonwealth Bank and Westpac, you know, $2 billion in penalties combined, we've seen this huge cooperation and uplift between the financial intelligence community and the banks. And they're now working incredibly closely together. There's a thing called the Fintel Alliance where they actually sit in the same room and bankers get sworn in as public servants and sign all of the secrecy provisions and they get brought inside on, on you know, top-tier criminal cases like this one. We've also seen a big shift of ex-law enforcement people moving inside the banks. So at NAB, you know, one of the key players in this scenario was Chris Sheehan, who is former AFP, is now the head of investigations and fraud within NAB. And he was one of those trusted parties that could work with the AFP. And the AFP could trust that, you know, information wouldn't leak on this incredibly complex case. You've also got the former head of Austrac, Paul Jevtovic, now heading up financial crime and anti-money laundering at NAB. So there's been this kind of cross-fertilisation as you know, who could be more interested in ensuring that we don't have rampant financial crime? It's the banks. So the banks and the government now are real. They're genuine partners in this fight to keep the economy clean. Caught up in uh, these raids and restrainment of property is land worth $47 million near the site of the soon-to-be-constructed Sydney's second international airport. How worried would, would authorities be by that, do you think? Well, this, I mean, this group was so prolific in what they were doing and then, of course, not only just making criminal money but then using that to reinvest and make more money through major property developments. And you can imagine they're uh, a, a group that's willing to launder money from the worst criminal groups around the world, the drug cartels and all the rest of it. They're not going to be shy about potentially bribing a local government uh, member or something like that to get approvals through. So you start to get this tainting of the entire Australian economy and, of course, you know, big, big developments near key infrastructure poses national security risks and, and, and the risk of foreign influence. So this particular group came on the radar of the top tier of criminal intelligence in Australia. Uh, um, you know, that became an organisation of major concern and that was part of the part of the downfall really was that, you know, you saw this huge coming together of federal agencies and state police and banks all working together to bring this group to justice. Nathan Lynch, a financial crime expert and author of The Lucky Laundry, How the Aussie Economy Got Hooked on the World's Dirtiest Cash, is with me talking about the AFP's raids yesterday, which resulted in the strainment of more than $150 million in Sydney property cash and luxury items. Nathan, we know that obviously the the size um, and scope of this alleged operation is significant. This story was broken in the nine newspapers this morning um, and they reported concerns that this was inflating the property market. Is that the case in your estimation? Was this 
operation allegedly so big that it could be having an impact on property prices? I, th- I think what the uh, the age and uh, Nick McKenzie, who again has broken a massive story, uh, he's he's on a roll. Uh, you know, I think the point that he was making there was that in aggregate, all of this illicit money in aggregate props up the Australian property bubble and worsens that problem. And you know, as as I detail in in the Lucky Laundry, you know, Australia really has become a, an, an economy now that's kind of dependent on this continuing property boom. And as a consequence of that, we don't ask the deep, deep questions about where this money is coming from. So for 16 years, we've turned a blind eye to critical law reforms that would help to prevent this by bringing in lawyers and real estate agents and accountants, along with banks and casinos to be inside the money laundering regime. So I think the point there is not that this specific group was propping up the Australian um, property market and distorting it, but that in aggregate when you have tens of billions of dollars each year being pumped into Australian property, that is going to have an impact and possibly even more odiously, you know, you cannot be certain in Australia when you go to an auction that you're not bidding against a financial criminal because Australia simply isn't scrutinising those transactions. Nathan Lynch, thank you so much for joining us and breaking that down for us. My pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. Nathan Lynch is a financial crime expert and author of The Lucky Laundry, How the Aussie Economy Got Hooked on the World's Dirtiest Cash. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations, live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.